Are you catching the big game or making big mods, going on that first date or installing that first break kit, binging that new show or watching install videos? When you're a real car lover, the choice is obvious. eBay Motors has you covered with over 122 million parts to fit your number one ride or die. Brake kits, turbochargers, LED headlights, exhaust kits, bumpers, roof racks, and engines. Whether you're into the speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has all the parts you need for the ride you love. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As you know, if all things go according to plan, you're going to be my first guest on the Jimmy Kimmel Show. And uh, by the time people hear this, it'll already have happened. So I'm going to apologize ahead of time for my awkwardness, uh, deer in the headlight look, uh, my jokes. Messy hair, ill-fitting suit. Do you know, do you get, how do you, like, how do you stop the hair people there? I mean, because you don't want to get TV hair. You know, if you go to a studio and your hair looks like kind of bed hair, cool, all the girls like it. By the time you get on the set, you have TV hair. Like you've never combed it like that. I was doing a thing recently and the hair person, person <laughs> snuck up behind me with goop in her hands behind me and just went all over my head <laughs> and pulling my hair back with all this goop. And I said, I spent seven hours on that mopped up. <laughs> to make it look tousled and thrown together like Owen Wilson. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, you know, we could go to Argentina and surf, you know. I love Owen. <laughs> That is a good Owen. Owen's great. great. That guy lives a fun life. Uh, we're here to talk about John Mulaney, though. But I will tell you, Dana, that that on uh, Kimmel, we're going to have some laughs. I might even say this. Listen to this. This is a real story. I had a mosquito in my uh, house last night. Mew, a mis- mew, you a know? mosquito? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mosquito. Okay. And so... Uh, <laughs> Dana's baffled. I said mosquito. And so, okay, go ahead. I, I I don't know how to talk. So this guy comes in and I think he brought some reinforcements because it was two nights in a row and, and they get mm. in your ear. It's like, once I hear that, I have to get up. I go, okay, breaks over middle of the night. Got to kill it. But now <laughs> yeah. there's no way to win yeah. because I got the raid and everything. So now what I do is I spray my whole body with raid and then I just lay down. I set a trap. So now they come, oh, they man, think they're going to have the toxic. So smart. Yeah. They come and they go, then they go, Ooh, I got a bad batch. Have you, did you guys have blood earlier? And then they like rubbing their eyes going, why wow, it feels so shitty. And then they croak. And right before they die, they look at me and they go, it was a trick. <laughs> and then I have to go to the hospital too. But uh, I but love it's where insects can talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's great. everybody talks in my in my act. So that I got that going for me. Dana John Mulaney. Dana, okay, I want to I want to dovetail from my little thing I just saw into John Mulaney because you and he are seeking out stories, and you're really aware as you navigate the universe if like that could be an interesting story extrapolated. So I pulled up to this place. I saw a woman with her dog. The dog went poopy on the lawn. Mm-hmm. The woman picked it up with, with a glove mm-hmm. and then sniffed it. <laughs> Just what I saw. Now, Mulaney, to his ability, that could be 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, he yeah, might yeah. do 20, you know. I was walking what? down the street today. What else is she sniffing? I mean, no one... R- r- Mulaney writes the shit out of his bits in the best yeah. way. 
He and and uh, his stories are great. I think it's that old school Seinfeld thing where Seinfeld was saying the other day, like there's there's comics that do phrasing and words and just the way things are written and the structure, which which I love. I don't know if I'm that good at it, but I love it. And then there's bigger comics that are playing broader, like you see, even even a carrot top. I still laugh at. There's prop comics. Oh, I still yeah. laugh at. Guitar acts. I laugh at. Yeah. So it's just he was saying there's almost he's almost jealous that they do something so different. I I feel the same way. I don't I don't look down on them. I think they're a crack up. But Mulaney is such a pure great written comic in these stories. I think I wish my next special was just five stories. I love to just find some tent poles in a story that's mm-hmm. five minutes long and have blah blah blah. Joe, keep them entertained. It's not really thought out. You're actually just telling stories in real life. And then one day you go, oh, that actually might be something for my set, you know? Well, it gets it gets it away from doing a bit because sometimes you just have to make fun of the fact that you're doing this prepared little bit. But if you yeah. are telling a story that starts from a truthful place, you know, Mulaney is very good. He's got the Seinfeld writing, you know, really deeply, deeply, a lot, a lot of punchlines, little punchlines, big punchlines, throwaway punchlines. And then he also does, you know, he, he moves a lot and he does little act outs and little impressions. So he's pretty, he's, he's a, he's a dynamite performer. He's like yeah. you, David. And he's selling out some big, big uh, rooms on the road. And uh, I was, I told him I was checking out his list going, God damn, dude, I know these places. They're huge. So uh, you, it's a treat to talk to him. We're lucky to have him. Uh, yeah, we're going to hum- have some humble, big nice laughs guy with him. Yeah. And uh, really, really smart. And uh, we just talk all about his life and everything that's going on. And, and it's uh, very enjoyable, hopefully, for our, our fleas, our flies, yes. our flies. Okay, fleas, here you go. John Mulaney. Oh, no, I understand. I, I love the, oh, by the way, I love the show. I've listened to every episode. Um, even Judd's. <laughs> even Judd's. Interesting. He wasn't even on SNL, but it was fine. But he's discovered so many movie stars from it. Uh, yes. <laughs> he is somebody who just gets stuff done. Like if you call him with an idea, he does have that engine. Hey, let's just make it. Let's do it. You know, I don't know if you, you don't need to get anything from him, right? Um, so we reached a point in our friendship where I didn't, it was kind of clear I wasn't going to try to write a movie for him. You know, there's like everyone my generation was in a stable where he just kind of, I think without even holding deals or money, he just had so many people like myself, Ken yeah. Peel the Lucas brothers, all uh, Bill Hader, Simon yep. Rich, all these people had a movie deal with Judd. And I would kind of watch it and be like, wow, everyone from SNL <clears throat> on their summer break writes a hundred drafts of a Judd movie <laughs> and he doesn't make them. He, he makes one movie every two, three years. So if he's making Trainwreck, that means it's like all these people I know who's like, you know, thing is passed over. So as soon as I, as soon as he and I had some weird unsaid understanding that I was never going to write a movie for him, we became a lot closer because then we could just talk about stand-up. We're talking about Judd Apatow, David. <laughs> yeah, I, um, he does seem to, whenever there's a shiny object that, that emerges on the scene, it seems like Judd is, is there. He's recognizing it early. It's always, it's funny to me when he like, 
people go like Judd has an eye for talent. It's like, well, they're on SNL, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not rocket science. <laughs> it is a bit not, it is kind of not rocket science. I had a spectacular accidental set at the improv once and Carol Leifer, I think contacted Judd and saying it's different now. So then we started emailing me and stuff. I go, I'm almost dead. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing left here. But anyway, but uh, I, he's affable. You know, I, 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 we, we did the podcast in person with him. It was kind of nice, actually. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now I saw, I saw John. Uh, just so the people know, I don't know John very well at all, but I, I uh, obviously think you're funny. And so here's my microphone. <laughs> said so said so business like i would say that your your stand-up is really starting to come into its own you have you, you've got that thing figured out in the last week yeah yeah over, <laughs> over the weekend I was, e I was eating it i was bombing so hard till last week finally I can i can i just say the first time i met john because they really go made ahead. me laugh so i go i'm hosting the show uh i go in a little room it's bill Hader and john and I didn't know them. They didn't know me. Like, what do you want to do? You know, and I didn't know. I thought people might say a Wayne's World thing or something like that. Or, <laughs> And you guys both said, uh, our favorite thing you've ever done is Mickey Rooney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like that was your Mickey Rooney was, you know, we were talking about how we were going to ask you to do it before you came in the room it was it, it was sort of like okay the, the week is here he's here <laughs> i immediately and, and by the way uh, yeah. dana you then told us we knew the impression from um theater stories yeah the sketch you did yeah. uh on the show mm -hmm. i had ne never heard the unused anecdotes of mickey rooney until that day and i think it's the hardest i've ever laughed um, was the uh, was the Juan Corona story, which you now have to tell. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mickey Rooney, he was a, a down point in his career, and he had a thirty-eight revolver with him at all times. We were, you know, and he would wave it around. Oh, he, was at, a, he, had he was at one of the rare down points. <laughs> yeah, and he had the gun and walk around. And New York had a crime spree going then in like 1981. He would said he would walk around with his hand on the 38 and they're not going to get me, you know. But he he <laughs> said he told a story where he his <laughs> idea at, at this time Dana, at this time Dana, you you were doing a multicam with him. Yes. In 30 Rockefeller with uh, Meg Ryan, Nathan Lane, Scatman Carruthers, uh in, where Letterman and then Conan did their thing. So but he did at one point said he wanted to go meet Juan Corona, the serial killer or whatever, murderer. Yeah. And he, he says, I was going to walk in there and say, do you know my name? Uh, and he'd say, I'm Mickey Rooney. And then I was going to plug him. Was, <laughs> the, the, I, plug if I do Mickey Rooney stories, every time I start to talk about him with people, there's new tributaries and things that I forgot to mention. But maybe that uh, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey stories, do that as a sub- podcast like a 20 minute I a week think about i think about yeah. the mickey story a lot because <laughs> i <funny>. like <laughs> i like that he thought he could walk into a maximum security prison mm -hmm. like he, he what he had worked out in his mind was what he was gonna say yeah not and not any of the logistics of walking in i believe juan corona was probably it was a commuted death row sentence 
But he would have not been just in an open prison sitch where Mickey Rooney could walk in, <laughs> may, uh, land land a great in quotes line, and then shoot him. I never went that far of the logistics of his mindset. Like, how would he get in there? How, I, you know? he, yeah, he. But he worked out. He goes, listen, I don't know how to get a gun into a jail. I, I don't know what will happen the moment after I fire it. But I've got. I've got I know what I'm going to say, which is, do you yeah. know who I am? <laughs> John, I've been in a lot of gunfights out in the street and you you think you'll have a lot of time to do one-liners but it just moves too quickly that's true a lot of people only plan the logistics and then they don't mm. when they land on their mark they don't have a great line <laughs> that's right or you miss it and you go ah the one chance i had and i kind of fluffered my line what i would have liked is if mickey rooney entered the prison Mm-hmm. Uh, looked at Juan Corona and said, do you know who I am? And if Juan Corona said, you're Mickey Rooney, then Mickey Rooney wouldn't be able to go. Oh, right, Mickey right. Rooney. And then I that could have saved Juan's life. Because they would have had, he had to explain what he was in. Oh, yeah, he goes, oh, you are Mickey Rooney. No, no. Or if he said, you're Don Knotts. And then he goes, wait, <laughs> Don no. Don Knotts. I was and the then number one drive off. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> lo- John like is wearing a hoodie, Dana, and um, Very I hip. feel like most people see don't see you out and about. So, is it sort of hoodie suit suit hoodie? What is it? Is there any in between? Um, since having uh, a baby, it is. Mm. Congratulations! Mm-hmm. Uh, same pair. Thank you. The same pair of elastic drawstring khakis. <laughs> and a free t-shirt that from, is what i from wear merch or something yeah like a, a jimmy kimmel t-shirt uh <laughs> i have Found. a um i have one from the robin hood foundation from a oh, charity okay. thing i did i have one for every venue i ask for a free t-shirt uh i have a houston astros one a team mm. and a city i have no affiliation with i wear that do, Very but often. John, doesn't that invite conversation? Like I just wear black t-shirts. If I wear anything with something on it, it invites conversation. And I'm an introvert Ooh. at like an airport or something. Also known as well, an yeah, asshole. Well, yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Why Especially in a black ought... t-shirt. Yeah. You can't no, they be go introverted like this. and wear a black t-shirt. It's very standoffish. Yes, yes. They say, hey, how about those Astros? And John's in the airport going, oh, fuck. Then John right. later I'll that go, night. Yeah, the, yeah. I go. Yeah, they've got a full team this year. It <laughs> looks like they got a roster. But maybe John's they the kind of full roster this year. You're the type <laughs> of comedian that if someone said, "How about those Astros at the airport?" It seems to me that you might have ten minutes on it within a day or two. <laughs> the way you write things out uh, from a no, core I know. Idea. I'm a bit of a st- I'm a bit of a story seeker. So um, David is too. Yeah, I think I'd be delighted. Yeah, if that me happened. too. You know what I saw on your, uh, when I was looking up stuff about you, I have a couple questions. One, when you started, uh, I, I mean, this is SNL stuff. We can go back. <laughs> it's like I do with comedy notes. It's oh, just. No. This, yeah, you're, you're fucked. This, you're going to get it from all sides. No, uh, we, we just go wherever. We've, we're already halfway through. I start, I, when I started, Lauren, um, I saw a couple things you did uh, talking about SNL and we're just going to really regurgitate them for a slightly bigger audience. We don't know. And I hope we'll have a chance to go through what the week is like. Yeah, we're going to talk about No week. one's ever I brought that up I feel like that's never yet. been covered in any media yet. And what your relationship is with Lauren Michaels. We're going to break break the seal on that. Dude, the, <laughs> the coat of a muerta that surrounds that office. <laughs> yeah. I like that, the coat of a muerta. When you started, did you do... 
here's my question because I was assigned promos. Did you do promos? Write them. Um, so all writers wrote a promo. You're talking about the Thursday standing on the stage promo? Mm -hmm. Yep. All writers had to submit promos. I oh. was I, I wasn't uniquely bad at it, but that's kind of, that's not a skill I have. That's a I very always, special skill. I always wanted promos to be really minimal and weird, and I would try to engineer that to happen. Um, and of course, uh, I was wrong. I just I don't have a knack for that. I was very jealous to hear that you were on the floor every week when you were a writer doing promos. Did you right? hear that? Oh, that is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, you said that on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What happened was I was an okay writer and I was new and it was sort of jury duty. Like Downey would be like, who can we lose for the, the couple hours during the rewrites? <laughs> and none of the writers wanted to do it because your, your nose is in the rewrites. And so we go send Spade down and Lauren... Lauren and I got along, but you know, there's not much getting along there. It's just promos, but you do get yeah. to see the host and the music, which that's fun. But the oh, pressure yeah. that, that Thursday, that Thursday afternoon mess of like, uh, you know, Tom Petty and the heartbreakers, uh, doing sound check and then mm -hmm. trying to corral a host and a cast member for promos. was a lot of fun. Oh, that is true. They like to have a cast member in and you could write them in. It was kind of a little power trip, but you have to say for people listening, there's like, I don't know, 10 seconds. And then you have to put, hi, I'm blank with musical guest mm -hmm. blank. And then there's like four seconds left for a joke. And they've already done 10 million promos. So you're trying to think of anything weird or different. And I would personally have to write about 20, give them to Marcy Klein. She would hand them in to Lauren or whoever or the host. And, and they would kill a lot of them, you know, like the host would and kill a couple. Kill them now having hosted, they kill them with prejudice. They even go like, we hate this one. We hate, the, we hate this one. We know you won't like it. It's mean. It's mean about you. This writer's an asshole. You know, read it. And I go, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this writer's trying to fuck you over. I remember I just yeah, saw a clip of someone one. on Instagram, and it was a live shot of promos. And it was... Eddie Vedder was music. Emilio Estevez is the host. And it's me and Lauren just milling around in the back. Wow. And I'm pointing pointing and showing Eddie Vedder something. And then Lauren nods his head like, do that one, do the one. Then we step back and they go three, two. So they had like a three-minute chunk of promos, which was, I didn't even know they're filming. It's so weird that that would get out somewhere. Yeah. And wouldn't Loved Lauren, it. if you finally got it, wouldn't he put his hands in his pocket and then turn and walk away? I, I don't know. It seemed he like- goes, I, I liked it. Hands in Did the pocket like and he would pivot. But I John, like, you like it, yeah. I like or Thursdays. say something cryptic like, like "Well, less is less." <laughs> yeah. Um. Some people think it's funny. Mm, see you on. I mean, see you at the party. Are, are we trying to you repel know, viewers? <laughs> you know, we're on in all fifty states. I feel like was a note I got a lot um, <laughs> mo on monologue jokes, as uh, if I was, I was so as if I was writing like. For the crowd at CBGB's in New York. <laughs> yeah. It was like sort it. of like, I, he goes, I know below 14th Street that works. He said, Oh, I love that. Oh, really? he, he literally just thinks of America as just New York. Uh, especially yeah, yeah, right yeah. before a, a, there's going to be a vacation or a break. It'd be, it's our last show before the break, and it would be like uh, nice if it was like really, really funny. 
You're going to yeah. see a lot of people over the break. And wouldn't you like it if they said, hey, that last show was really good. <laughs> I know we're not nervous enough. <laughs> and yeah. also I was like, are you seeing a bunch of people during break? Because I'm laying on my couch watching DVDs with like a sty in my eye. Only Lauren was doing heavy socializing during the break. His endurance you know, John, to work that. Yeah, no one like him. A lot of people will tell you you're the funniest one in the show. You're not. Wow. That's what I got a lot. You Really? And I go, oh. And he goes, it just happens. It's okay. <laughs> and I go, well, it stings a little <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> I, did, I didn't knock on his door and say, Lauren... I'm hearing a lot of people say I'm the funniest person. <laughs> uh, it would be actually, it'd be now kind of being, now being out of it for many years and, and having a wonderful, I mean, I always loved Lauren, but having a really nice relationship with him, it would be fun to go back and do those things. I know, like, I know. Hey, do he... you think, I went, I don't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> You're with Chris Dodd, but do you think <laughs> I'm the funniest Dodd writer? Senator. Yeah. Senator. Because a lot of people in my family in my high school say I should be on more. Thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> I have family in Milwaukee that think I should be on more. Uh, yeah. They're fucking you, man. Well, you weren't as stressed, were you? Because you were just writing and then they would pop you on update, which is like more of a gift and it wasn't expected. Total gift. It's probably better. I had the absolute best situation um, that you could ask for uh honestly like i look back on it and i was i had a, there were a few gifts um it looked like you were getting up and leaving david no no i i, I haven't even no i like the idea that like as a listener <laughs> that sometimes when someone's about to go into a long story david always just does a quick errand yeah <laughs> i go i just gotta go wash my car <laughs> um so i writing there means producing there like as you know so you got to produce live television. You work with every department and you're really, you really own your piece. You, you do everything for it. And you're, given, you're mm -hmm. given a nice amount of credit behind the scenes for it. Mm -hmm. um, I'd already been doing stand-up and continued doing it. And do you know what made the biggest difference? So I got to pop up on Update and honestly, Bill Hader, when, when he would do press about, the sh uh, you know, about, about something mm -hmm. and they'd talk to him about sketches on the show, it means a lot to me the more the more over the years i think about it like he would always name me and give me credit for it yeah um which was not done a lot before that and um just i try it, not to do it yeah no i try not to do it now <laughs> that i'm more of an on-camera guy <laughs> but um no, I. Uh, that seems it very. Really, it really meant a lot because it was sort of like, oh, there. Uh, I, I, I felt like I had a bit of a um, reputation in comedy as, oh, there. He's a writer there, and we uh, sometimes hear about what he's written. Right. And at the same time, I got to pop up on Update a couple times, which, like, yeah, it, that's just that's just ten million people. I've been on VH1, uh, VH1's best week ever, a hundred thousand times at that point. So I was like, I've been on TV, but How, what was your what was your nerve level? That's one of my questions about a, best week ever. Being a writer and then doing update. Where was your because you're not acclimated to performing, you're writing, and then all of a sudden you're in that chair and they throw yeah, that you Saturday, out. That Saturday was like, oh, not only am I yeah. terrified as not only am I under a lot of stress as a writer, but I like I have to go out there tonight. Yeah, those were those were out of body 
Do you remember what to... you did? What 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 your first one was? Like here comes John Mulaney saying a word. We were yeah, playing... I had a. It was Girl Scout cookie season, and I did an editorial <laughs> about how like the Girl Scout business model is completely flawed because they have a like tremendously popular product that they sell once a year in front of okay. like a Gelson's, you know, from a little <laughs> lunch table. Um, I can't remember specific yeah. jokes about it, but uh, that was that. Uh, so it was like, I remember thinking before I did it, I was like, this isn't real. I, I, this is sort of like a, uh, I've got a complaint about the Girl Scout cookies, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah. hey, Girl yeah. Scouts. But I was sort of like, I, 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 I'm so inexperienced at this. I'd rather play an attitude. So mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I'd rather pretend to be the guy actually mad about this. Right. <laughs> than so, not um, have a, Matt, Matt is not a bad angle on update. No, Just when kidding. you need a, when you need something. And you're Energy. Young and have nothing. It's it's good yeah. to act like you are exasperated. And by did you pound events. the table and get animated, or did you kind of push it? I remember at one point I go, "Have you ever put Thin Mints in the freezer? They're delicious. Like <laughs> sell them year round." It was just it was a real like uh, <laughs> when in doubt, act extremely exasperated, which I followed my <laughs> whole career. But I remember before I went out on the update desk, Lauren looked at me and he said, um, "He goes, relax mm. your face." He goes, when you get out there, take a beat, relax your face. <laughs> oh, funny. And look directly into the camera like you're talking to someone you know. But I remember relax your face was a good note because I was going to come out like this. Looking extremely high strung. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. Mm -hmm. And what makes a home is more than just house or property, it's the location and the neighborhood. Yes, exactly. This is really, really a smart uh, thing. If you have kids, it's also schools, regards the homes, nearby parks, transportation mm -hmm. options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. Yeah, and when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing Features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, mm -hmm. student to teacher ratio. This is stuff you need. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's right. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. John, let me, uh, Dana, I just have uh, David, seven in a row. I, I have, have seven in a row for John. Questions. Uh, John, when you go out there and it's Saturday and you're doing update, I think when you're a writer, the one extra love, uh, layer you don't think of is how you look. And it sounds egotistical, but oh, yeah. all day you're like, oh, wait, I got to get hair, makeup, what am I wearing? And, and then sometimes they'll go, I wouldn't wear that. And you go, I know, yeah. for an update, what do I wear? And they, they go, won't tell not you that. what to wear. But yeah. yeah, not that. <laughs> yeah, not that. Yeah. No, I remember I brought my little shirt and sport coat from home. And Sweet. it was like a blue shirt and a navy blue jacket. It was the, you know, safest, <laughs> safest <laughs> yeah. possible choice. I, and Tested I went, safest. Yeah. I remember showing it to Tom Broker in costumes and being like, <laughs> I, I, go, I go, I was thinking of this. And he goes, he, gives, he went, yeah, as if like to say like, look, we couldn't 
we have an entire show to design. We couldn't possibly care what you wear on on your cut it dress up date. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's honest. That's that's. You think yeah, you're getting right. on? Oh, oh, you think you're going all the way to the show? Oh, oh then I know. Yeah, it was that. And I think I said to him like, this this shirt doesn't. Uh, it don't worry. It doesn't like moray on camera. You know the, the yeah, like show. dance on camera. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't dance on. Don't worry, Tom. My shirt will be fine on air. And he goes, you'll cross my mind at 11 when I realize you're on the show. Yeah, and then we'll ask you to maybe do something about the adult acne. So I go, hey, Tom, I brought a shirt. It doesn't wrinkle. I got one of those kinds that doesn't wrinkle. He's like, I don't give a fuck, dude. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> as if, as if, as if like... Uh, Emmy and Tony Award winning costume designers would be impressed by a wrinkle free shirt. Yeah, I know. That's oh my the funniest God. part. How'd you get they're, that, man? They're like, well, we're all worried about what you're doing on the show. We don't care. <laughs> Did anyone ever call any old timer ever call you kid? Because you use that in your specials. Hey, kid, kid. it ain't going to work out for you, kid. I'll be honest with you, kid. I will say what was nice was that even people like Phil Himes. <laughs> yeah or lighting director like, they learn they like the everyone in the booth and they learn your name which means you know so i didn't get kid but i uh uh i once had a sketch on that was like in a, it was an impression parade it was just every cast member doing an impression and i changed it a great deal in between dress and air so on air i watched in the booth and it didn't go great. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a little clunky. And I'm walking out of the booth and Phil, I walk past Phil. I'm pretty, you know, is that a low point in the season? Like it's like February doldrums or something. I'm walking past Phil and he goes, not your best work. <laughs> and, I go, <laughs> and I was like getting this, I was getting this, like I've been here four years kind of edge. Mm. So I was like, what Phil? You know, like what? Oh, <laughs> oh you got up in his grill. And he went and he went, you know why that wasn't good? <laughs> and i go sure. i go why and he goes none of the people sounded like the people <laughs> and that's not your fault yes. but phil I, I know but i like that that review of an impression piece none of the people sounded yeah, like yeah that's people. a really what you don't want to hear just so listeners know phil himes he seemed old the entire time i was there and he, he had he this cranky exterior but then he, he was, yeah, was an incredible heart of gold underneath and incredibly sweet but he was kind of intimidating in the early days. What do you want? What do you want? You want a light there? We can't get it there, you know. But then he was. Do then he would put the light there. I got it for you, kid. And then, yeah, yeah. And uh, we we were once doing. Um, I think Fred as Obama. I didn't write it. Colin Jost wrote it. It was like a Christmas time Oval Office piece, and we wanted um, Fred to look out the um, uh, windows behind the desk in the Oval Office and see like snow falling, like a kind of a cheesy Christmas moment. So we were, I remember I was for some reason on the floor with Colin and Seth, we were telling Phil how, we thought it should look. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, and no. he looked at us and he went, I lit John Kennedy in the white house and walked away. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so David, I heard a story that you, you and Phil had like a close relationship. Is that right? Phil Himes? Yeah. I did think, I mean, other than having sex, we were just sort of like buddy, buddy. Uh, no, we, um, he would just always bust my balls when I walk around there. So I thought it was funny. Well, I heard when you were hosting, he came out and said, 
Oh God, he's back. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's very. And Phil, I heard you but, said. Yeah. And I heard you said, Phil. I, <laughs> I heard you died. <laughs> well, he is old. <laughs> well, yeah, but he was so sixty old. for fifty years. I mean, he was. Yeah, you. Oh. He was a hard ninety when I met him. It was like that. I think one of the first things I learned at SNL was that Don Pardo and Phil Himes, two extremely integral mm-hmm. people here. Are solidly north of now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mid, mid to late nineties and spry. Yeah, like one of the most, a couple of the most important people here are north of ninety, and like, yeah, you got to give them a wide berth at the pudding table. I I heard you say something about asking about how people date the host now, and I thought it was so funny because I think you were saying that it sound for us it it sounds a little dicey. Like back in our day. The hosts were so off limits as far as just it mentally, you know, you don't do anything. And I, I remember we had, and you have beautiful hosts. We have talented, I think Marissa Tomei was there after my cousin Vinny. And there's so many that were great, but I would be so scared if, if you even flirted with a host and it got back to you, you know, like they complain like HR and then Lauren, David, uh, were you asking out Susan Day? <laughs> You're making her uncomfortable. Like if it came back that you were making a host uncomfortable, wouldn't that be, it's obviously worked every time so far, but it seems like if you asked that host and they didn't like it, then it would be, you'd be in so much trouble. I I can't, I literally, I didn't even know we could (laughs) like hang out. (laughs) Yeah. I would have never been like, you know, I, I would always be like, I'll have, I'll have the, I'll have a page call your manager's assistant. You know, the idea of even like exactly. reaching out personally. And I wrote a lot <laughs> oh, of- Oh, outside the show. I wrote Forget a lot it. of monologues. No, during the week, I mean, like I wrote a lot of monologues and occasionally there'd yeah. be this like, hey, Thursday night, 2 a.m. or Friday night, 2 a.m. The host wants, the host suddenly has a thought about the monologue and that 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 was fine. That's what the schedule was. Um, but like- yeah, to even be <laughs> to even be in um, contact with a host, let alone ask them out, the fun- and without having a script in your hand to walk up to them for what reason? <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. Hey, what's up? I I always felt like when Simon Rich and I, in most weeks, we wrote a monologue for the host. Um, I always I didn't even sense if they thought we were writers. Like I think they thought we were just like two children with pieces of paper. <laughs> with- <laughs> Who kept asking them like not personal questions, but like Wikipedia level questions. Be like, we would just be like, so um, maybe something about, I I think your family has a lot of dogs. And they'd be like, why why are you telling me about that? And be like, we're just trying to think of any angle for you. Yeah, it is hard because no one introduced you like as the writers, you just walk up and they go, go ask, you know, and you have to go up to some huge star and say, hey. I, I always liked Tuesday night when they bring the host around to each office because they could be the biggest star in the world, but they had to sit on my couch. Like they had to sit on my field, like with me and Bobby Moynihan smoking inside with the window cracked Mm. as if that's at all acceptable. And like, you just had to sit there, Mick Jagger. (laughs) (laughs) Sit there. And now you're going to hear a crummy idea. Now you're going to now you're going to hear an idea that kind of makes fun of you that you won't like. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to hear a fake idea. And then if you like it, it's a real idea. I, I, I make fake questions. I go, uh, Mick, uh, can you do a Russian accent? 
<laughs> and he goes, uh, probably. And I go, nah, this one's out. I crumple it up. That, that's fair. I go, I'll save this it. for uh, next week. I remember pitching an idea in my office to Josh Brolin. And he went, I mean, well, it's not funny. Yeah. And I thought I was like, okay, that's the <laughs> then that's the litmus test. <laughs> I like I'm not gonna. Oh, the, he's sort of like I mean, and he I, I didn't mean to make it sound like he was really harsh. It was more like, well, you can write it; it's not funny. And I was like, well, then, and <laughs> you just saved me a couple I mean, hours. You could spend the rest of the night <laughs> writing it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pull it from read through. Yeah, and I'll have it pulled, and I'll make, and I'll let them know I told you I didn't like it. So you'll you'll be in trouble with Marcy, dude. When a when a host is reading a sketch, and if it's your sketch, and they and they quietly give up in the middle, it's so sickening just to watch them yeah, take a dive. And like they don't really yeah. get I've it. Seen, I've seen hosts suddenly put like the the celery in their mouths, <laughs> like truly be like, I'm gonna eat during the rest of this. Just yeah. a signal, yeah. Or they're whispering if they can get an order of food sent in during your sketch. Like, hey, is there any way they get out? You always try to discern a little bit. I know we talked about this before, like Lauren reading the stage directions. Does he stay involved? Does he kind of think he's hooking something great? Or is he sort of middle of the road? Or is he done with it? There's a whole energy thing. It's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, because Lauren reads the stage directions and he starts out pretty high energy, like yeah. CNN bumper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then... Yeah, that's at three and o'clock. I like, I like when he kind of summarizes it mm -hmm. towards the end. Yeah. Like, he'll start to summarize it like, uh, uh, Kristen has a hat and walks in and keeps there. Like he'll read a whole paragraph <laughs> and boil it down. To the <laughs> uh, 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 Kristen... Kristen enters uh, as Reba McIntyre uh, sits down. Yeah. <laughs> five, five hours. It really in. takes the energy out of it, and you're like, uh "Oh, he's he gave up." Uh, David enters. And when when with people funny write hat. long stage directions <laughs> to describe some farcical, like slamming doors comedy, was <laughs> like, you know, who's going to read that, don't you? Yeah. Like you know how that'll get presented at read through, don't you, homie? Yeah. Or they write a like a Schneider used to write. Or he would call you out. Like if you go, uh, and then the uh, doorman played by Phil Himes and everyone laughs and Rob goes, trick, not a real laugh. Don't count it. <laughs> he would yell that out during reading. Yeah, he would say trick, trick, because he <laughs> Who's didn't want yelling you to that get out? <laughs> Schneider. Oh, Schneider. <laughs> it's a trick. It's a total trick. That's, yeah, because not you're, not gonna get, you're not going to get that laugh on the real show. It's That's not just funny. a read, read through laugh, read through laugh, <laughs> flag. Man, how how is that graded? That seems uh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's a little harsh. No, Schneider yeah. was funny because uh, he would do things to almost intentionally rub you wrong, just to go. Ah, oh, that's fine. Yeah, he was just he. He'd say about three on. years in, you're coming along. Uh, anyway, <laughs> by the way, copy machine I, guy. Mm -hmm. I watched your. I think it was your last monologue on there. Uh, any differences hosting along the way other than you're just getting better at it or you maybe you're not getting better at it? It's, I mean, it's five times in like with a COVID year in between. So like in three years, five or something very condensed. That's a lot, yeah. Two in 2020. So what's that all about? Um, <laughs> two, 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 I'd like to do two in a pandemic. Yeah, uh, that was the request. That oh. was, um, that was a really... Well, wait, what's the question? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it, it, it's been so cool. It's been so fun. Um, 
I definitely have had thoughts like I'm like, oh, maybe the second time I hosted was I I, I uh, believe when Lauren says you're getting better each time because that makes sense. There's moments where I go, oh, but on the second time I hosted, I had this laugh here mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, but I've had more and more fun each time. The first time I hosted, I was deeply in my head about. Um, yeah, normal. Wasn't going to be good. And this wasn't only not going to be good, but everyone was going to go see. We told you to stay behind the camera. We've been clear with you <laughs> where you belong in this show. <laughs> the audacity of you to show up and try to do this. Like, I really thought, like, uh, I had a very weird kind of. Uh, I was like, I remember the Friday night before I was like miserable. I was like, I'm so bad at SNL. And that's the thing I thought I knew the Mm. best. And then I had a really fun show. And I realized that I was just trying to make myself miserable because if I'm miserable the night before, then it will be a good show. Oh, that's a good trick. This trick I used to do, but I try not to do it anymore because it's too excruciating throughout the day. And like mental health wise to stretch myself to, sorry, to tie myself into knots so that I quote unquote, you know, deserve a good show because I'm so miserable. Uh, by the second time I hosted, I, I made an active choice. I was like, I'm gonna be happy all week. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. fun all week. And if it's a bad show, then I'll know that, that yeah. it was wrong to have fun, but at least I will have had fun. And it was a very good show. So since then I've been like, you have to enjoy these weeks. Otherwise, um, otherwise what's the point? It is it is funny to take such a beating of over yourself when you host. Dana's probably feels the same way. You're just so stressed, and then at the end, you're like, "Why do I even do this?" Like right before the show, you're like, "I feel so sick and tied up and twisted." And then you go, "I did it." And you're like, "So I did it." Now now the fun starts. I'm at the wrap party. It's the only time I'm starting to have fun. It's over, and you realize, yeah. "Could I just well, get to the point where I have fun the whole time?" I had a little bit of uh, I couldn't really live up to what the lucky crazy fortunate three or four years i had on the show with wayne's world and all the stuff so you know it was always you'll do church lady and then it was you'll do george bush uh senior and it's like 18 years later so there <laughs> i the the thing in my head was like how do i compete with that across the board and that was a very that was kind of difficult for my i think and especially i think what's nice the way you're, it's happening for you, John, is that it's kind of condensed. It's not like you hosted it in 2013 and then you're coming back eight years later. I think it's kind of nice that you've done five already in a short period of time just to acclimate to that. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No one's expecting a lot of growth. <laughs> well, so. but you have those crazy, those stand-up specials and then your monologue is always great, pretty much, right? I right. mean, because oh, that's, that's your superpower. And so that that sets a great But also, great like, tone. I remember yeah. saying to Gerard Carmichael, who had an amazing episode as a host this year, who's a brilliant comedian and a brilliant many things. I remember um, I was like, it was when I was talking to him, I realized I was like, oh, you know what? It's, it's eight minutes of stand-up uh, in front of 10 million people. Um, and you're the only thing... <laughs> I realized it's like, you're the only thing on NBC for 10 minutes. Like 
your your stand up is the only thing happening on Terrifying Saturday. Night. Well, that's yourself. a very relaxing. Reminder. I, I, I find that kind of uh, emboldening. It's like, wow. Well, you got to is... go out with an attitude. I mean, how do you do your specials? I mean, you, how many times do you shoot a special? Like, say, two. Kid Gorgeous. Just two two shows. That's two it. in two, one night? Two shows. Um, I think it was one night. Yeah. And so how do you deal with that pressure if the first show in your mind is like a C plus, just in your mind? The and first then, show of go. Kid Gorgeous yeah. was a C plus in my mind. I was so disappointed. I couldn't believe it. I'd been on tour for so long. And now this special was bad. It was going to be so bad that everyone would be mad at me uh, or disappointed in me and say, you used to be good and you're bad and we don't like you and all of that stuff. And <laughs> Have you had therapy? <laughs> okay. um, we'll talk yeah, about that no, later. It's, it's, it's funny. I've, I've had a ton of it. So go ahead. Well, Sorry John, also the, the cameras are there. It, 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 I've done a few, but the, the, the cameras are there. It just throws it off somehow. It's just not a normal club or theater night when there's cameras. The Everyone, is, the audience is stressed. Everyone's different. It's just not the way it normally is. I, uh, the thing is like, I remembered that it's, um, I, I thought one, the second show felt better. So that so mm. when I when I say I came to some epiphany, I didn't. Just the second show felt better. But were I to pretend I had an epiphany that night, I'd say no one else has done every show with me, so they're not comparing them. Yeah. And this well, is yeah. the film of the material, like um, a special. I a special is for the cameras, and I I think it was um, Whitney Cummings gave me that advice after she had done her sitcom Whitney and then she did her first special after that. And I remember she said to me, we play so big because we're trying to play it at the back of the room. But um, she, I, I think it had been something she learned doing a, you know, three camera sitcom, like it's for the camera. And I've thought about that each time since that it's for the camera. The size of the performance is for the camera. Um, and also you, I mean, where, where the area where you could maybe have a good night or a bad night, cause the material is immaculate and it's really, really, it's like a magic trick. It's so fun to watch your stand up oh, because it's flowing nice so organically. Well, he's and talking then, to me. You know, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Space <laughs> I said that to space. David or before the show, but <laughs> right. then you're also doing a lot of uh, sneakily physical comedy and you're throwing your voice and you're moving. So you're, you're performing it as well. So I would, I, I would assume on some nights, with a hot crowd, you may take a rhythm slightly further, or the bit you did about Jagger, not fun. You'd throw one more in. Is that the yeah, way there's yeah. a little bit of improv? When when you're on and the crowd is with you, you go to that other level. Right? Oh my God. When I have, when the crowd is with me, <laughs> sometimes when the crowd's not with me, I'm like, do I even have skills? Be, like, can yeah. I even, <laughs> can I even perform to a slightly indifferent audience? Like I should be able to do this. Like I should be able to still do the 90 minutes, but if they're not like, if you don't feel like they're, you know, carrying your chair and the, yeah. um, at the Jewish wedding, like, you know, if you don't feel that like bounce, I'll suddenly be like, how the hell do I do this? What do I give it? Like, <laughs> What am I doing? I'm giving a speech. <laughs> well, you think you like you're extend. horrible. You're like, am I doing stand up? Because nothing's working. It's almost like, did this turn into a corporate gig? Why am I bombing? Yeah, yeah. Did so this turn <laughs> into a corporate gig? And then I always want to ask the audience. I go, I want to be like, hey, are you embarrassed for me? Is that happening? <laughs> Is That's that happening good. now too? Yeah. Are you, you feel the discomfort in the room, and then the elephant in the room that no one is saying, and you can't hear it, is is like this realization on their side. 
not as good as I thought he would be. I guess it's this is kind of a rough night. And then sometimes it takes a lot of guts and a lot of determination to go fuck it. And you try to win them and mm-hmm. you normally can't, but you just really the last sickening. Yeah. I do. It. Oh minutes. yeah. 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 No, but I yeah. think that's a, that is the right move. I remember when yeah. Nick Kroll and I were doing Oh, hello on Broadway, our director, Alex Timbers said to us, cause doing um, eight shows a week for 16, 18 weeks, Ugh, whatever it was. Brutal. Well, we'd have crowds that were just Broadway ticket holders who heard, oh, there's a comedy and didn't know it yeah. was me and Nick screaming in turtlenecks and being insane. And uh, Alex Timber said to us, hey, um, I noticed that some nights when the crowds aren't great, you guys decide to pull way back and just amuse each other and you do the show poorly. And we were like, yeah, because fuck them, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's only like, $300 I remember. Season. I remember he yeah. goes, here's an idea. When they're not good, you guys try to be twice as good. And we were like, yes. oh, as if it was like yeah. another way to show them we don't care. But it was a good trick he put in our heads. Because now when it's bad, I think, well, I'm going to pretend this is on film Sure. And people will study it uh, <laughs> in terms <laughs> yeah. of how, how good you can be even when a crowd is bad. I think people, you know, when you're not doing well and people later say, no, it was good. There's some people that smile and the vibe of the crowd isn't to be too noisy. So they don't want to be too loud. So oh, they're yeah. just kind of liking it and smiling and they don't know it's a bad show. And later they not go. Not at all. They don't. I thought not it was great. And you're like, and you're telling them how bad it was. And they're like, it no, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, like, and you go like that part. No, that part normally gets. Yes. That part normally goes to applause, and normally, uh, and they're, and they're normally, like, yeah, they're okay, like that was my rose. favorite part. And I'm like, a lot of times there's someone in the front row that looks like my dad, so I go, oh, there he is now, and everyone that normally goes to applause, but that didn't happen tonight. And they're like, oh, so it was bad. And you're what like, is yeah. it about? Yeah. Be, when we were when I was coming up, like Steve Martin was God, he was huge, and he would play stadiums or arenas. And now there's so many comedians, and I'll bring it back around to you that just are playing twenty thousand seaters. And I don't know when this started for you, but now you're playing Madison Square Garden for four nights. If I read it right, or three nights, three nights, three nights. So what does that do to your brain? How do you think about yourself? <laughs> like, because that is so much love. Uh, of uh, your fans. I mean, it's just like insane, one, yeah, right? How do you wrap your should, mind around that? One should not get used to it. Um, I just keep thinking that like, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> funny, man. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's like, just it, a big room. It's a big room. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, so, I mean, I just want to give you a compliment. It's so hard to get to those big venues. And I was looking, you're on a tour right now. And if you look at the venues, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is hitting the biggest spots. And Hollywood Bowl is huge. Who would ever get to play that as a stand-up? You don't even think of that when you're a stand-up. Yeah, he's playing and Northern California. There's a stadium in the Sierra Nevadas, and it's an open-air thing. And John I'm is playing doing Yellowstone. It. He's playing Yellowstone. Park. <laughs> but what, what do you do <laughs> with... Uh, like when you it go feels, out... Or you... It feels... Um, it's like... it's it's. Um, it's a kind of, I wouldn't say, okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's imposter syndrome, which might sound really arrogant. I don't mean like I, I'm up there and I'm like, yeah, I belong here. But 
I do recognize that the crowds have grown and grown, and now we're in a now we're in a basketball court. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's so <laughs> and at like, home base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's sort of a like, okay, this is where it's at now. Um, and I'm so like, there's a few things happening at once. It's only been this year that I've played arenas. It's the first tour I've had since a couple trips to rehab institutions. So what, 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 what do you mean rehab? I haven't heard this story. What, what, what's a... <laughs> well, listen, no one knows about this. Well, that, but... that I want to ask you only about that, how it pertains to your standup, just because well, it pertains to like, um, I think if I, um, oh man, thank God cocaine and arenas didn't overlap. Oh dear God, I'm just realizing now that would have been a disaster. <laughs> there is something extremely fun. There's an energy about playing an arena that's very like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. If ever a person took this for granted, they might become rather intolerable. Uh, that's what I think. And so I'm really lucky to do it. I know it won't, it will, it will just, it, it can't sustain. It won't be this forever. So at the moment, I'm just kind of like, enjoy it because yeah. this is literally, you know, like this won't, this won't last and that's okay. Um, so I wouldn't say it's imposter syndrome so much as I'm acutely aware that this is just a moment in time. Looking to save on delivery? DashPass from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Rewind it back to the days of chill accent on the beach and all day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prices could be huge. New players start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code FOTW to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted-in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one-time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. Well, did you think, uh, John, right? Uh, did you think, I'm doing David now. Uh, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so, you know, you have those specials that explode on Netflix and then you do the five hosting and, and then there's the pandemic and then you have this rehab issue. Did you ever think that that would... I had, didn't have an your, issue with rehab. It was more yeah. drugs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, <laughs> that led to the rehab. But yeah, I, rehabs it, were quite it, healthy. It feels to me like there was a, a your fan base just saw you more human, and it it, it there, do you feel a bigger connection in a way? Maybe it's like an Oprah question or something, but with your fans after I, I, that I'm episode, really, um, yeah, I because they're uh, your friend. You know, what I mean, they relate, and everybody's got. I can't issues. like. I, I, there's no. Uh, I'll just be kind of sappy for a second. I we love that here. It means like I didn't know if I'd be on a stage again. Like I didn't know what, um, I was at a point where it wasn't just that like today was miserable. It was that I could absolutely guarantee you tomorrow was miserable. So to be doing shows and to, um, you know, uh, look, I, it's, uh, I'm aware that uh, someone's persona and, you know, I'm aware that it might have thrown, I'm aware that it was a, a new information to people. <laughs> I'd been, mm -hmm. been up front that I'd used drugs in the past, but I, I understand it was new information to people. I, I, I'm, I think I'm humble enough to know that like, you know, fans can, you know, I'm very grateful people come to the shows. Like, yeah. it's not that I think that that, you know, revelation about me would make people not come. I don't mean mm -hmm. that. I just mean that I, I also like, I want to be a realist about entertainment and um, to, to maybe have one kind of image and then have it be made clear. I was dealing with a lot more <laughs> stuff yeah. and yeah. then have people still come that uh, sort of, I feel very lucky to physically be there on stage and I feel it is so nice. I feel if you so don't, lucky that John, people... if you don't mind talking about it, it was like when do you, when you said you made maybe you didn't think you'd ever do it again. Was that your what 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 kind of bottom was that? I mean, did, were you seriously thinking I may never become a, do stand up anymore? It was like what? you don't have to answer. It was kind of it was, it was almost like being in. It was like kind of like um, that's a good question. Exactly how to articulate it. It was a bit like a horror movie where I was like, how did I, like, um, I, I don't trust, this sounds, this sounds a little dark, but it is, a, it's not a super happy topic, so that's fine. Um, I was sort of like, I don't trust being alone with me. I mean, I'm the person that did all this damage to myself. You're with when you're a drug addict, you're with the person that has tried to destroy you all the time. So I just didn't have a sense of, I was like, uh, wow, I don't know if the person in charge of this life <laughs> has any clue what they're doing. It wasn't so much, oh, I can't do stand-up without drugs, because I wasn't, I didn't use and do stand-up. That wasn't really what was happening. Um, it was more like, I might have absolutely no idea how to manage my life. Yeah. It was the second so. episode was maybe harder in a way, the relapse. Yeah, because I'd, I'd had a lot of problems when I was in my early 20s and I'd stopped by 
um, age 23 and had a long bout of sobriety, but, um, yeah, through prescription drugs and other things started to slip and then slipped hard. And do you think that you're, you're, it's a genetic predisposition, like the way your brain is situated and the way the drugs hit your brain. Can you specify why it appealed to you at that level? Or because it seems like addicts sometimes have, they can be hypersensitive or redundant thinkers or whatever kind of mental health predisp- would predispose them to want so, to. So, yeah, it's a good question because, like, I, I do love life. Like, I have a lot of fun. I always. I always have laughed very hard multiple times a week Mm -hmm. with like really funny friends. And like, I I'm lucky to be in this life as a comedian where it's pretty fun. Uh, I have my own, I have my own demons, but um, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I was also like, I I had a very, I have wonderful parents. I, I, I had a lot of, green lights. It's, it's hard to say, um, that I had some, uh, inclination to, uh, to, uh, to mess up my life. I, a, a couple things in my case, I think I've had a lot of anxiety in life. So some of the, um, chemicals that help that, uh, I certainly are very addictive. And then I think I, I think, um, I mean, I do think addiction is a disease and I think I have this, you know, oh, let's do more. Oh, let's do more. I mean, there's something in my brain that uh, does that. It wasn't always, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't uh, it, it, it wasn't a story of someone who uh, was always going to self-destruct. The life just life just became hard. And now you're out the other side and you're have a, have a, a son, you know, so it's such yeah, a yeah. So then that, shift. So then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then that's like, okay, that's real grown up stuff. Right. <laughs> when, just, when I heard you had, it's uh, the greatest. It is. When you're yeah. in rehab, I was like, I don't think so. That guy wears a suit. On stage. Yeah. People in, I mean, it's been proven people in ties don't have. <laughs> I mean, it threw me. <laughs> And did did we have dinner at Koi one night? Was it me, you, Dana, and Hater? Was it and Judd? Yep, or and that, Judd. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like one of the few times we've gotten even. That was a fun night. We took a picture. Yeah, we did take a picture. You guys came and did my Largo show. Yeah, um, it was great. Uh, 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 Dana, you and Bill read. Yeah, the case sketches. Oh, that's right. Yeah, a, a sketch that I wrote um, with Casey Bill Kasem, when Dana son. hosted. Yeah. Yeah. The same, the same hosting stint when we uh, b- bombarded you with Mickey Rooney requests. <laughs> but I, I, I was regrettable at the time. The only thing about Mickey Rooney was the first time I had some prosthetics that created the illusion wow. and, and, and helped me too doing Mickey Rooney. And then that time, whatever quick change or for whatever reason, it kind of looked like me and it just didn't, you know. And then Casey Kasem bombed. <laughs> but Did you have little the legs? Lagos. The first time you um, did I it? Di- I did the first time. Yeah. For some reason, something, it, the, the look wasn't the same. And then Casey K, it wasn't my best hosting effort. But 
Uh, well, I, love I to, think uh, I'm in large part. I'm in large part to blame for that. If, uh, if <laughs> no, <laughs> because now that I, was bad that week. Now that I remember that you remember that the Mickey Rooney and Casey Casey that we begged you to do <laughs> were not at the moment. Uh, but I love the passion. How much you guys loved it. And Casey Kasem killed a 300 seat theater. Bill and I read it again in front of you. We explained it a little better. It just it's sketch. 101, they just didn't hook it. It was over in the corner. And once the too audience- Too big of a set, did, too. It, too big of a yeah, set. I, giant set. They didn't I hook always the want. I always want sketches like that to just look like a Garfield cartoon, like I, a, like a, the, yeah. a single square animation cell. Like you just want- And it want, was massive, yeah. And it was a mm-hmm. massive backyard. The sketch was Casey Kasem and his son, J.C. Kasem. J.C. Are having a fight and they both talk like Casey Kasem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like, son, I know you've, uh, son, I know you've been borrowing money to buy crystal meth. And how do you know that, dad? Here's a letter. Yeah. Like it was, it was that. <laughs> yeah. It was just them both Here's talking a, like There's Casey a letter. Kasem. Son, I know <laughs> that you've been borrowing money to buy crystal meth. And yeah. here's a letter. It's that classic oh, Casey yeah. Kasem for people who've ever heard him. Rhythm. And then, you now, know, yeah. checking in at number five, the boss. Bruce My favorite Springsteen. line was, well, dad, you were always hounding me with questions. When are you going to stop hanging out with those deadbeats? When are you going to do something <laughs> you like? And which female vocalist had more number one hits than any other? <laughs> Debbie and Boone. then Dana says, the answer, Mariah Carey. <laughs> the answer, Mar- so why do you think for uh, young people? Why would that bomb? Well, I thought it was because. They, they, Too big they, of a set. We've already explained. It wasn't the right. Yes. It wasn't the performance. I was washing my car, it was, John. It was a quiet. <laughs> they're kind of quiet voices. They don't really project that much. And I think if you're in the audience and a camera's going by or they're re- leading a horse across the studio, they don't hit. Hook at the first. Leading a horse well, across. You know, just scene. noise. Ambient. Distractions, it, yeah. If it was cold opening in the center with a simple you, you weren't at home base? Were you no, one of those secret over. sets? Dana used to go, never be in the fucking dead zone over there. Oh, no, Gap I, would go, I would go where they, they were writing up the, planning where the sketches would be. <laughs> You'd go tell her go, to put why, right why, why is my sketch not there? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I remember watching, I think it was a Wayne's World. I was talking to Steve Higgins and I was like, it, why is this, I mean, besides the fact that it was so popular, I was like, what is the, why is, does this feel like they're just yelling directly at an adoring audience? And he was like, cause those were at home base. Like every, yeah. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything that seems like, why is this like right in the lens, right down the barrel, right to the audience. So then all of us would go up to Don Roy King during the production meeting Wednesday yep. night, all mm-hmm. the writers would go like, we think this could play at home base. So we I remember, think it could play at I home remember music. one time he had, because they uh-huh. write in, they basically, they pencil in everything that will go in one section. Of the, a schematic. Yeah. Uh, and there were like six sketches that were trying to play at home base. Well, they would say to me, well, you can't have it at home base because you have an entrance. And I go, what if I get rid of the entrance? And they go, well, then you can have it at home base. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, then, what a scammer. Then I would go to Victoria Jackson and go, you got to just be in the set the whole time. I was going to, I don't know how much longer we have, but I was going to just ask you your latest thoughts about your son and how old is he? Because I, I don't follow. Okay. Um, my son, Malcolm, is six months old. Okay. So um, you're, you and um, your significant, Olivia are racing for that first smile in the morning when he's in his crib. And he we're wakes racing up. for that first, what'd you first say? First smile. The first smile. He's smiling now, right? It's oh, the oh. first smile. Sorry, I thought you said I, the first smile. I'm a little bit drunk. No, but anyway. Uh, no, we... 
That's very funny. You mentioned that we both love to wake him up together and he, he'll be kind of like, what I love about Malcolm, one, he's my son. That's, so that's what I love about that's him. That's good. It's good you love yeah, him. That's as good as your son. No, but, but also um, <laughs> he's so independent. Like I listened to him on the, on the Miku, on the baby monitor, and he's just babbling to himself. Like as he's trying to fall asleep, he's just talking like, ah, blah, 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 blah. He kind of sounds like Jiminy Glick. Like he's like, or Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like Adam Sandler. Yeah, there's a lot of low register, like, yeah. He's doing characters. He's doing character work. And also, I think he enjoys the reverberation of his voice in this. When he was sleeping in this pack and play the other night. And I was like, you really just so. Pack and play. You love your. You love the sound um, that it's making in, in your little crib there. So we love to come in and he's just, I don't know, he's so independent. He's just chatting with his like stuffed elephant in the crib with him. Well, that and, moment uh, where yeah. they wake up and they're sleeping. They, then we, then we, then, so right then now they, when, they when see, we're traveling. Yeah, yeah and, and he sees We have a pack you. and play, so we unzip the top of it, this cover. And he he's sitting out there and goes, like flashes and then the biggest the face smile. goes boom. and that yeah it's back magic. back and play is like a duffel bag you carry him in or something well it does kind of fold up into what looks like <laughs> those bags they carry machine guns in yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's a long black bag that becomes a crib because at the beginning it's just a shoebox you have to carry him in and then as they get older i don't know how it works yeah when like a baby's that. born they tell you to put it in a shoebox with shredded <laughs> newspapers and you got to keep them stimulated. There's a lot of focus on kids. It even started when I was. Oh, no, more now, my God! You, you must have be a getting it from all and sides. Keep them mentally stimulated. You'll make a genius. You feed them this way. It's like yeah, so much. Yeah, goddamn, a lot of everyone's got an opinion. Yeah, he um, uh, he likes songs by he likes songs that the Wrecking Crew worked on, the the famous <laughs> studio musicians. Yeah, yeah. He kind of mm-hmm. likes like um, there's something Rhythm about that. Yeah, the Righteous Brothers and those yeah. Phil Spector wall of sound. I think there's something sonically to a baby. You know, like I've always said, babies love Phil Spector. Well, the baby, when he's three, if he picks up a rock, people will go, he's going to be an archaeologist. I mean, everyone's yeah, going to yeah. want to project. I think he's funny like you. You know, I've seen it. Anyway. There's nothing like Instagram. <laughs> when they say and Instagram, they're always, there's always someone in trouble for doing something wrong with their kids, and then everyone writes in a million comments. You should not do that. It's like, no one, why do you give a fuck about my kid? Like, oh, yeah, are I've you going to wa- come babysit? <laughs> I've always wanted to put as a caption, if anyone has any parenting thoughts, please, <laughs> please leave them in the comments. Yeah, please. <laughs> please I'm, about to give my, I'm about to give my six-month-old uh, a bunch of pork sausage and dairy. If anyone yeah. has any thoughts... What's a good toaster I should put in the tub with him? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But John, I would say we have to let you go. But first of all, great chatting. I saw you at Largo. I saw Olivia uh, the other night. It was a lot of fun to see you. You were hilarious. It was great to see you. You were, David, we were talking for a while that just, just you backstage talking about trying to sell your house was (laughs) the funniest five minutes. Thank you. I've heard in so Uh, long. You know, it's funny. My special just came out. I was, you guys were talking about specials. And, uh, yeah, I don't Dave, it came, out on, the, it came out on the dirt.com, right? On the real estate it, website. That's where my special came out, which was so stupid. <laughs> it was to released release on dirt.com. But Fo- yeah, everyone knows about your house. Your house. 
What's yeah, everyone the name knows of about the special, house. David? Let's do some housekeeping. Oh, it's What's called Nothing Personal. Nothing but I was personal telling, I wanted to say to to John that, and Danny, you might feel this, when you get to bigger, I don't tour as much, I, I actually, this first time I was sort of doing some theaters and they're not as big as yours, but even if it's two, 3,000 seats, I sometimes feel like I'm not enough. It's almost like more pressure yeah. to go. I can picture a band here like wailing away to fill this big energy so much more energy than a club and people are paying more and, and it's a big deal. There's a line outside and you go, I'm just here talking a little bit. It feels like it's not enough for them. And I had a weird thing about that where I go, I want to be extra good or do a little something more razzle dazzle. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's why I really like, uh, I mean, I remember hearing, I remember hearing an interview with Chris Rock when bring the pain came out about how, why he paces so much. It's like, I got to fill the stage. And I've, I've never forgotten that. I mean, I like, I like a lot of mic yeah. cord and a lot of walking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I never saw, I, I, I always think that I'm like, this is just me. This is like a random person talking about right. very specific topics. What is this? And everyone's so just I'll quietly yell. listening. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll just. Yeah. I, and mine, <laughs> they, they, I got off stage talking about having a tough set. Like my first, taping you know mo most comics for your listeners pick a place and they do two shows in one night mostly yeah uh, adam got, adam got to do a little more but uh you know you do that and then you pick the best out of the two whatever and i got off stage my opener wasn't doing as well as he usually does and i'm like oh please don't be a fucking tough crowd you know and then they might i get on and they, and they were tough for the first five and i'm like these people are coming to see me and they're my fans and this is tough and i get off and i go shit well the second one will be a little better and they go you know they have n95s on i go no they don't and no one told me they had those masks on so that you were, went out and didn't shit. know they were all all in the n95s i didn't even think because wow. we moved it there because it was during covid and they go you do get a crowd they might have to wear masks but i think of the blue ones but i heard they walked in everyone had to take theirs off and they were given the worst kind of like wow. drywall mask. What state and so, was this in? <laughs> it was in Min it was Minnesota, and I have Where to say they were a good crowd. It's just when fifty percent of it's gone and you can't hear it, as because they're they even look like a good crowd. They're moving, they're bending over, laughing, and I'm like, and you know, wow. I just see the front rows, but I go, oh, what's going on? Because it's so bright when I taped, I couldn't really see what I could. Yeah, yeah, you can't. waited right, six right, right. weeks to do it when they didn't have to have a mask. Well, it was a, to, to bore the shit out of you. It was in Austin. Oh. And because Netflix, there's some rules you have to, for COVID, blah, blah. And Austin said, no, we won't abide by it. So I had either wait six months or the next weekend I was doing Well, Minnesota, when you guys go said, out now, they're not wearing masks or they're some not. are. Right. Nah, there's still a, there's still okay. a couple. But I think right. it's oh. I think it's dealer's choice. I think you... Yeah, because yeah, I see people yeah. with them, but those are for a while there was show your vax card, or yeah. um, if you don't have it, you get uh, sorry if you showed your vax card, you got a wristband. If you didn't have a wristband, you had to have the mask on. There's been, but crowds have been really understanding about it, which is nice. They're, at and least then, they're still coming, which is nice, and that, that's that's. Whenever there's around. a surge too, <laughs> whenever there's a surge on tour, it's sort of like okay. You know, some stuff might get canceled and like what's whatever is best for the health and safety of the crowd is the best choice. 
but I'll sometimes look at the map and my calendar and be like, well, I got it. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, like my Florida and Arizona won't huh. be canceled. <laughs> yeah. You look at sometimes, a few states where you're like, they're, they're luckily, never going to cancel. <laughs> they're never going to cancel. Yeah. Well, they say some people for a while there during uh, when there's a last surge, they go, just expect about 20 to 30% don't show. They buy the tickets, it's sold out, but they don't come. And you go, oh, because they get scared. So it's sort of a bummer because you want the people, whoever gets ticket to come. Sometimes it's tricky, you know. I found that, um, like, I, people in Los Angeles have been more careful than anyone else I, I know. Like, I, I, I yeah. was in New York for a lot of the early pandemic. People were obviously extremely sheltering in place then. However, there still was a bit more of a, a, a sometimes a bit of a cavalier attitude. Like, look, we, we're going to go out. We're going to try to do this. L.A. seemed more lockdown for longer. But yeah. then this Netflix is a joke festival came and like yeah. everyone I knew who used to lecture about like spray down your groceries with, <laughs> you know, like all those people are suddenly yeah. like at a huge brunch with Kevin Hart, you know, <laughs> everyone, everyone <laughs> went out. Yeah, everyone went out. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm -hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it, price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David, and find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality standards, they have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm -hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hot cakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm -hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm -hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue nile.com today that's blue nile.com my dad works in b2b marketing but i never really knew what that meant then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big mql man then he just kept saying things like the more mqls the better over and over my friends still laugh at me to this day. 
I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Well, John, uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I always thought you'd make a good day. And wouldn't you make a good talk show host? Great monologue. If he ever wants to do that, I, he's got a good yeah. gig going. I mean, as as Malcolm gets older, you'll you'll be financially so secure, you'll be able to pick your dates and 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 pick how you want to work. You know, I go now. It, it's your he won't miss you now, but you're going to want to be around when he's you know seven and eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Those are the those. I got seven my, years. My friend Dan Levy and I. Um, a, a wonderful comedian and a good friend of mine, Dan Levy and I talk often, Dana, about how uh, you know how you specifically, uh, we were like, that might be the best life ever to um, name a corporate rate that is so high, but <laughs> <laughs> have so many people meet it. And you can edit this out if you're uncomfortable. Sorry. Oh, no, no, but not like, at all. No, when I you did. just kept doing, I was like, man, what an amazing, <laughs> we talk so greedily. About like man, well, <laughs> I to truly hear describe all those corporates. I truly well, to get wanted out of to get house, out. Yeah. I wanted to get out of them. They kept saying yes. I kept going up and up and up and hoping I'd get out of them. But it was very. I know uh, it's the it's the greatest problem I've ever heard anyone yes. having, and we're so envious of it. Well, it's a nice adaptive way when the kids are. In you were off S- You were off SNL. You were living yeah. in Northern in California, Marin. and you and, were naming the highest rates possible. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was a, it was, it was very, very good. I, I was get, I was hiding in plain sight, making more money than maybe almost anyone, but like big movie stars, but no one knew. So they just figured I was broke. So that was good. But it, it's, it's a pretty good schedule <laughs> for uh, a dad because you could take two months at Christmas, take summers off, and have your, you just adapt your schedule to when you want to be with them. So anyway, there it you is go. great. Or are you guys on the? Are you guys going out? On, are you guys on the road now too? David is. I'm, I'm on the road. I'm doing a scripted podcast, finishing up, which is hard. It's like making the White Album. It really has taken a year to do it with my two Amazing. sons. Oh, um, right, right. I've, yeah, I've heard on this. I've heard on this podcast. Yeah, so I'm working on that, but I'm kind of itching to do stand up again. I don't know what I would say or what I would do though at this age, you know, because it's like you don't want to be boring. That's that's the worst sin of a stand up. I, I think it's hard. Boring. You don't want to be canceled, but you don't want to be. You don't want to be canceled. You want to be honest. You want to be real. You want to be funny. But for me, doing small clubs with my sons, I I figured out for me personally, being a sketch player at heart, it was, I was so much better in small rooms. I mean, because I'm doing these little intricate little characters and stuff. So I love small rooms, but. Big rooms play different. You know, if they have screens, it's very nice. I'm sure Madison Square Garden, yeah. you're going to have big screens. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's sort of these like portrait length screens. They really do. I was very, when this tour started, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. But is this going to just be like yelling in a hockey arena? And everyone's yeah. like, what? But I got to see the faces and stuff. Yeah, the production, the production and my tour manager, Beth, um, 
like it's been it's been made into a really good show i think yeah he's like i have kid rocks trucker guy that runs the 18 wheeler with my, all my favorite stuff. thing about touring arenas is that is like talking to bus drivers who uh, they just had here yeah who were you just with like well Rob, <laughs> robert plant robert plant steve harvey then you and i'm like i love it i love that <laughs> have you ever gotten right before you went on dinged like that from some well-meaning crew guy last week sinbad came in here i gotta tell you he took oh. every local reference. He destroyed. Now Dana Florfo. I mean, do you ever get dinged like that? Where it's like Chris Rock <laughs> levitated this arena. I don't last think. Week. I don't think he was trying to ding me, but I still no, remember. No, no, not unintentional. No, no, no. But uh, no, uh, Brian Dorfman, a Booker, um, uh, a promoter. Excuse me, Brian. I apologize. You're a producer and a promoter, and whatever other things you do. But I was in. I was backstage at Nashville Zanies, and. Uh, we're standing there and I'm a, really about to walk out and he just goes, I remember promoting <laughs> Polly Shore and when the door opened and the shadow of his profile hit the stage, I've never heard a crowd go crazier for, it's like as I'm about to walk out, I was your I've never heard a crowd go crazier for someone. <laughs> And it was the greatest stand-up show I'd ever seen. Yeah, I know. Life. They go on and on. It they? was? No one has ever done anything like this. Yeah, but you'll be fine. You know, yeah. And then he pauses and go, hey, got any new stuff? I remember um, someone else uh, at Zany's Nashville. I was like, <laughs> at that same weekend, I was like, who are your favorite comics? Um, and uh, uh, this woman, Ruth Ann, who... Uh, was managing the club. Um, I go, who are your favorite comics? You know, and like a lot of people, this was like 2004, 2000, you know, people would go like, oh, Adele Hedberg, you know, people just list the same names. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she goes, okay. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. Uh -oh. and, I, and I can't remember exactly the three, but it, the first was Tony Rock. She goes, Tony, Tony Rock. Rock. I go, standard. okay. She yeah. goes, funnier than Chris. I go, mm. Okay. 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 Uh-huh. Um, she goes, funnier than Chris. Uh, Chick McGee, I think maybe. It was a, <laughs> uh, the last one was Killer Bees, uh, who's a- Killer Bees. Wow. Killer Bees is a road, is, a, yeah. is, a, is an American comedian not known to everyone, but she goes, Killer Bees is the best comic I've ever Funnier than Chris. Life. You know you need funnier new material. Chris. You know you need new material when uh -huh. they, someone says to you, mm -hmm. No matter how many times I hear your stuff, I oh, I still laugh. You know, you know, you need oh, a new. Uh, actor, yeah, you know? yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, the 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 sound guys, the the, the lighting uh, technicians, everyone I'm on this tour with is amazing, and they they are very sweet about it. But they're like, we as we're setting up, we just recite your jokes, and I was like, man, <laughs> that's such yeah. a compliment, but it makes me feel like. So you're saying I don't have enough new stuff? Yeah. <laughs> All right, John, get out of here. Uh, I like it's that. Nice I like that you. you guys are acting like I have somewhere to be, but I don't. I know. I keep, <laughs> I keep <laughs> making the interview longer. <laughs> I, I know, I, but it is fun because people like to hear from you. Oh, one little SNL memory I have of just how big and inescapable the show felt was I was hired August 7th, 2008. And then we have the commercial writing weeks. Um, we start... We start pre-production for the show, not pre-production. We start, uh, everyone's kind of back and we're gonna shoot commercial parodies. 
Um, then we have the first show week and the first show that I was ever a part of Michael Phelps hosted. And it was the first time Tina Fey did Sarah Palin. So that That fall SNL is like back kind of like to being when you guys were on, like it felt like, felt like the 92 election again. Um, it was like huge huge. and it was on every magazine cover and, Seth and Amy are on every magazine cover and Tina's on every magazine cover. It was so big. And we did these Thursday primetime update shows. So we did 12, we total, we did 12 shows in eight weeks. And I just remember I was sitting in a taxi cab going home and my eye was all infected from (laughs) from being awake so long. And uh, a bus pulls up next to me and it's a gap ad with Forte, Sudeikis, Andy, oh, really? Seth, and Fred. Wow. Yeah, like they did like a winter clothes, like scarves and hats. But I just remember wow. being like, I can't fucking escape this show and still haven't. Yeah. <laughs> you never, it's, it's a seminal moment in your life being in Rockefeller Center doing that thing with all the characters. Well, yeah, it's like saying, hey, I used to play for the Yankees. Um, now I have a sports marketing company. Which would you rather talk about? Yeah, that's true. There's nothing experientially or tactically like that show. It's people always out. have a question about it, something yeah. about it. That's why we're doing the podcast and to hang out with people like yeah. you. I love the podcast. I've listened to every episode. I was very flattered to be asked. God damn. You must have a lot guy. of free time or that's when you're on the bus or the plane or you know, a lot of you're... driving and uh, a lot of driving, a lot of bus. Yeah. He's used to that. We talk over each other, Dana. John. You, yeah. You, well, we have, well, yeah. Smartless has three guys. Did you like doing the live one with Sandler? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it we should have filmed it. It's fucking great. It was so fun. Yeah. Different sport, but uh, it's, different it's kind sport, of fun. but it's it, yeah. it. I'm whenever there's a live episode of a podcast I love, I'm like, this is like no one's uh, everyone's bringing out the big guns on this. Oh, yeah. Well, that yeah, you perfect. just you tend to perform a little more, but yeah, I just I, I if I put myself in the shoes of the I'm, I'm there with Adam Sandler and David Spade, so th- there's a sense of like. I'd like to just hear what Adam Sandler had for breakfast. You know, uh, they want to. Yeah. They want to know you as a person. The one thing we haven't done with you, we don't have to, because I always like to put, think of ten-year-old John Mulaney, because I like that favorite toy as a kid, or a toy that you remember that you really was important to you or you liked. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Cocaine. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but little bags of cocaine and rolled up dollar bills. <laughs> David yeah. had Stretch Armstrong, didn't you? David? Yeah. <laughs> and Evil, can you? Stretch Armstrong was a fucking scam. I liked anything. I liked anything um, uh, with Ernie. I kind of uh, with Ernie from Burton Ernie. I sort of realized later in life that Ernie was like. I thought Ernie was so funny. Ernie is really funny. He doesn't yeah. give a fuck, and his roommates uptight. Yeah. Which one's gay, Bird or? No, oh, I think Bird is. The rumor was that they were both gay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess have, that's how it would okay, work. Okay, did you have a bike that was special to you, like in fourth, fifth, sixth grade? I had that's a bike, a which around. growing up in Chicago, like it's an easy city to bike around. And that, that was like, mm-hmm. we already had a lot of freedom. Like we were a little feral. Um, I just walked around the city of Chicago as a like 10, nine year old. Like we really could just go. I remember having a bike and riding it along um, the lake 
from my home to like the middle of downtown Chicago. And I was like, this is so much freedom. It's crazy. <laughs> it won't be like that with your kid, huh? No, I mean, uh, that's Those an interesting, days, it's an interesting thing because uh, Olivia and I to talk be about good that. We want kid, it to yeah. be, but then we obviously, I'm like, do I have the stomach for just being like, all right, see ya. <laughs> do you have the Instagram followers? Can you handle what they're going to say about that? Uh, yeah. I'd be, hey, <laughs> le leaving Malcolm alone on Michigan yeah. Avenue. Yeah. He'll be home by when it gets dark like I did. Yeah. Is this a good idea? Question mark. Arrow to comments. <laughs> and you and Olivia haven't talked Sound about. off below. Sound off. Let me know. Do you have ideas of where you would like to settle with the time school years start? Or is it just completely wide open? You don't have to mention a town or anything. But do you think uh, it's either Southern California, New York, or out there somewhere? Yeah, we're very open to uh, to different places. You know, I mean, I feel like also the me and Olivia and Malcolm have been on the road so much that we kind of, you know, we're, we're in this place of like home is wherever we're together, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. That, they're just so portable now. And you had told me once that you thought it, flying too much might age people. So do you take more buses and cars? than I said that. People? I thought They're you said always that saying to me. That. Always. That you thought I maybe have, flying I, too much was sounds like a, sounds a little uh, speedy, cokey. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got some go-go juice. Flying. That's too why we were jamming. People. We were jamming on the Mickey Rooney sketch when you said that. So I didn't know you were. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, but no, I thought no, you I said that. But. But no, you I, you know, I do think that, most, no, there's something yeah. like, you know how you feel when you get off a plane and your feet are all swollen and like your mm -hmm. stomach's weird. I yeah. was like, this is not, you shouldn't do this constantly. Like, like bring a, bring a, um, you know, you bring like a half empty 20 ounce bottle of soda on a plane and put it in your backpack and then see what the pressure's done to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not normal what, you, what what it does to your body. I get done with I'm flying. at that phase of celebrity now where I weigh in on health theories. So I'm going to go out ahead and say that planes. No one should be flying. John Mulaney, yeah. this week, we got our trigger. This week, John drug addict Mulaney. John Mulaney said no drug one addict should be flying. Flying is Sounds dangerous off. and not because you're going to crash, but your body Neil, is going to Neil be Brennan said when I got, first got back to doing stand-up, he said, you should be introduced. Neil Brennan said this. He goes, you should be introduced as, you know him from TMZ. <laughs> Please welcome drug That's addict funny. John Mulaney. <laughs> drug addict is funny. <laughs> Let's end oh. on that one. That's funny. All right, guys. All right, John. All right. Hope Love we run into you at some Miss point. Miss you, John. Pleasure. Love you. See you somewhere. Bye, guys. Bye, Dana. See you on campus. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? <laughs> we want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. Howard Wright says he says he loves the podcast and the behind the scenes stuff that's great here's his question david <clears throat> mm -hmm. with the crazy efforts of bringing a live show on the air each week did lauren or the staff ever review the previous week's show to discuss what what went right or wrong with the cast or specific performers or skits or is once a show performed everyone moves on to the next uh i would start and say i think the monday meeting we have the new host sitting in front of us, so we don't want to overdo it. But he'll be like, last week, Sharon Stone, I thought, you know, pretty good. I like this. I like this. I thought Update was strong. Uh, I think this week, you know, 
let's not let our foot off the gas. We've got <laughs> uh, Michael Keaton here today. <laughs> That's pretty accurate, right? That is accurate, but it, it's uh, it's not like I mean to me that reminds me of the NBA or something where that you you're going to watch the whole game with the team and start and stop it. You know, can I uh, can I yeah. do my impression of Steph Kerr, the coach of the Warriors, for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Steph had a great game tonight. I think he was good on both sides of the floor, uh, moving the ball a lot, and I think Clay was uh, active as well on the offensive boards. It's almost Bill Clinton, <laughs> but fuck it, man. I can't, I can't get him every Kerr, time. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I see Steve, Steve Kerr, Kerr like that. I, now I now when I put it with that voice, and I go, I, it's a classic where you never even think of his voice until you just did it. The only yeah, it's just a very rough. Voice voice and all those sort of sports things i think we uh we controlled the boards in the first half we our offense was um a little slow in, in the second half i'm steve kerr anyway um <laughs> if there were um sadness or or recriminations it would be at the party like yeah and we beat ourselves up we wouldn't need lauren to do it be like ah this laid there that one sucked or i don't know what happened but we do just I move just on i just felt basically. like david wasn't on his game tonight well, I thought you know, that stuff Lorne, like that. Yeah, I mean, what Lorne would do, interesting enough, because Lorne was not heavy on compliments, but that like a good coach. But when he did compliment, yeah. it was a big thing. But in the Monday yeah. meeting, he would take some obscure part of the show <laughs> and say, I, I, I thought Jan's exit was breathtaking. You know, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know how he would do that? I like the lighting and the receptionist. I think they finally got it right. Well, also, I think they have a pre-meeting for this young man who's asking, Howard Wright, they have a pre-meeting with just the heads of the departments. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, in my era, it was Downey, maybe Smigel and Franken. And then I think that's when they would iron out any problems, but I wasn't privy to that if there mm -hmm. was any. But you're right, Dana's right. We don't watch tapes. We're not like football going over and going, what about last? We just like on to Cleveland. We just say, this week is whoever. And yeah. uh, you're locked into it, it from Sunday on. It wouldn't on. be like, I thought David was terrific in the receptionist guy. I thought he scored <laughs> uh, offensively, defense. He set up people. <laughs> it's still Steve it's Kerr. They should go to Steve Kerr at Update. Steve, how's the show going so far? Cold open was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the teams. I think everyone's moving very well on their feet. They're committing to their lines. Uh, the cue card reading is a problem. We're going to take care of in the third. I'm doing Bill Clinton, but fuck it. I had it the other day. I did it for a fan. I think Opera Man went a little long, so I think we're going to have to pick up some slack after update because uh, <laughs> something's going to have to get cut. <laughs> I thought Tim Meadows was terrific in the ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dana when you're doing a sketch. I was literally remember in my head walking in the hall in full Gap Girls regalia at about half hour, you know, quarter to one in the morning, and they go, Gap Girls is cut. Over the loudspeak uh, on the live show. Because it goes So it just means long. everything went long and you don't have time. Mm. And I just fall to my knees. No! <laughs> and then I cut my cheeks with my fake nails. Ow! You were bleeding at the after party. Yeah. You had a little napkin around. Good David or come the, or something. <laughs> no, I walk up to Lauren's table at the after party in my full Dressed gap, as a gap uniform. Girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Happy now? Wait, Lauren, Happy. you never told me my face. Is it cut? I remember that. You get drunk at those parties and go, you go up to Lauren's table and you'd be in the gap oh, outfit gross. and bleeding and go, you don't know me. You don't know me. You think you know me, but you, know you, you never you knew blew me. You blew it. You, you blew, blew it. it. I could be funnier than anyone on this show. Oh, Fucking right. update sucks. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's your answer. Thanks, guys. There's your answer. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
<laughs> that is a funny. That was a good answer. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 